Hello, and welcome to The Shift Zone. I'm your host, Val Dorsey. This podcast provides tips and tools to help you shift your mindset and shift your actions to both activate and step into your zones of personal and professional success. On today's episode, we have Eddie D. Love. He's a corporate trainer, an author, and life coach. And we're going to have a conversation with Eddie where he tells us how he shifted from poverty to pure passion, purpose, and prosperity. Eddie, love, welcome, welcome. I have one question for you before you start. Are you ready to step into the zone? I'm ready to step into the zone. (laughs) Okay, I have a little bit of a disclaimer. Eddie and I go way back to what, Mm -hmm. Eddie, like third, fourth grade? Man, a long, long time. Long time. (laughs) So I'm going to be a little biased about Eddie and what he's going to bring to the show. But first, I'm just going to let you give a brief introduction and let everybody know a little bit about you. I know your full bio is going to be in the show notes, but we want people to know who you are. So tell us a little bit about Eddie D. Love. Well, I mean, I'll tell you about you know what I'm most proud about. And first of all, thank you so much uh, for, for having me as a guest. I'm very excited about the shift zone. I've already listened to the first episode, so congratulations on that. I love what you're doing. So again, very proud of you. But as far as me, what I'm most proud about is the fact that I'm a husband, I'm a father, uh, I'm a man that was born in Chicago, raised in the Mississippi Delta, and just, you know, I'm an author, a life coach, uh, a professional, an entrepreneur. But again, what I'm most proud about is being Shapira's husband and, and Kyler's dad. And Maxine's son, because my mama was a strong woman. The love that you show for your wife and also your mom. Those are the two women that if you follow Eddie Love on social media, you're going to see him mentioned. So let's jump right into it. Eddie wrote a book called Escape from Poverty. It's 28 Ways to Mm -hmm. Win at Life. And there was something about that book that I felt was really beneficial for listeners of The Shift Zone. And that was your idea on what it takes to shift out of poverty and into wealth and abundance. So I want you to share with everyone and tell them a little bit about what made you want to get yourself in a position where you were making a shift out of poverty. But first, give them a little bit of information about your background and and why you wrote the book. The reason I wrote the book was because, number one, I wanted to leave a legacy there was a very important or pivotal thing that happened in my life the year I wrote the book. I published it in 2014, which was the same year that my father passed. And if you've ever dealt with you know, the, the death of a loved one, especially someone so close, a parent, it affects you in a different way. It really shook me up and, and I really didn't know how to grieve. But what was most important and what I took from it was that it's very important for me to leave, leave a legacy because I had a chance to get very close with my father uh, before he passed. He died of prostate cancer. And I had a chance to get very close and have a lot of deep conversations with him and pull some of the things that I wanted to pull out of him and questions about myself, his life, my family, different times, you know, different time periods and decades throughout his life. I had a lot of questions. So when he died, it really impacted me because I, I understood the fact that I couldn't talk to him again. I couldn't ask any of those questions again. He couldn't answer any of my questions or have a conversation. Mm So leaving a legacy is important because I wanted to leave a legacy of who I am, what I stand for, my principles, my morals, my values. So with Escape from Poverty, 28 Ways to Win at Life, 
I call it a self-help autobiography because I use a lot of the things that happened in my life growing up in Chicago, being poor, coming from a poor family, uh, a large family. My mother had 10 siblings. My father had 13. So obviously I was submerged in, you know, black culture. And again, the impact of my father passing made me want to leave behind some standards or a map, if you will, a roadmap, not to mention royalties. (laughs) So when I, when I do go on, that's something that'll assist with everything else I'm setting aside to create generational wealth. Tell them a little bit about your poverty background. I I know Mm -hmm. about it because we grew up in the same Mm -hmm. small town, but I want you to tell them a little bit about Mm -hmm. where you come from. Well, I talk about it a lot uh, in the book. And, you know, when we moved from Chicago, I'd say by the time I was seven years old, I had gone to, you know, three or four different schools moved again in maybe 89. We moved to Atlanta, actually, a short stand in Decatur, Georgia, on Candler Road. If anybody knows about Georgia uh, or the east side of Atlanta, I was in Decatur on Candler Road in a poverty-stricken environment, stayed there for a couple of years, and I moved to Mississippi in 92, where Greenwood, Mississippi, if anyone knows about the Mississippi Delta, it's the same county. Lee Floor County is where Emmett Till was slain back in the 50s, which sparked the civil rights movement. The same county where the phrase Black Power was coined by Stokely Carmichael and uh, Mukasa Ricks, Broad Street Park. I think it was 1966. So a lot of history, a lot of poverty history, a lot of Black history in Mississippi. But my family in particular, we grew up poor. You know, we lived with different family members. You know, throughout times we were homeless. We always had somewhere to go because we had a large family. But Section 8, food stamps, you know, public housing. I know I know all about it. And, and one thing I knew for sure is that this wasn't a path that I wanted to take for my family, which is why I had to change my environment. Uh, when I was about 19 years old, I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina and started a journey of, of personal development, which brought me to where I am now. Now, there's something that I read in the book, and, and it's something that I think affects people in a big way. You talk about how people are conditioned Mm -hmm. to live in Mm -hmm. poverty and how based on their past, their, their mother's past, their family's past, how they're just Mm -hmm. conditioned and how you really have to have the mindset to want to get out of that. Because one of the things Mm -hmm. I focus on on my platform is having the mindset shift into abundance, wealth, and Mm -hmm. prosperity. And can you just expand on that and what it took for you to kind of break that generational curse of having that poverty mindset? Yeah, I think it's very important to to go deep within yourself and, and start working on yourself. Jim Rohn said it. If you work harder on yourself than you do on your job, you'll never have to worry about money. And I really started working on myself and just really took that personal journey of understanding my family. Uh, researching history. When you think about what happened from 1619 Jamestown, Virginia to the 1860s when, when slavery was emancipated, and then the 100 years from 1860 to you know the 1960s, civil rights movement, African-Americans were locked out of wealth generation and my family was locked out of wealth generation. So there were certain things that were passed down, you know, as far as the, the financial literacy piece, credit, interest rates, the importance of buying a home and owning a home, the importance of having insurance, savings, all these different things, you know, the stock market, how it works. All these were things that my family didn't know, didn't understand and didn't care about. So the the things that I was told growing up was make sure you get your education and get a good job. 
right? And and it was always somebody holding us back or somebody holding us down as opposed to going within myself, doing the work, whether it's education, whether it's spiritual development or just changing your environment, doing the work to get your family out of that mindset, that poverty and broken mindset, because I mentioned that 300 plus years of brokenness that was basically passed down. So I took it upon myself to really become a trailblazer for my family because there's successful people in my family that, you know, have good jobs and careers and degrees on top of degrees, but nobody wrote a blueprint and nobody really stayed at it, like rolled up their sleeves and got in the community and said, okay, I'm going to model this behavior and be self-disciplined and create a new standard, a a new system of morals and values. And that's what I had to do. Being financially stable and having success with wealth. I know that's a metric that a lot of people use to measure success. Mm -hmm. But what I found is that a lot of people don't feel like they can achieve financial success. So they don't. Mm -hmm. And I just have a belief that what you think determines what you feel, what you feel determines what you believe and what you believe determines how you act or react. Mm -hmm. And if you don't think that you're worthy of having financial stability or making a lot of money, then you won't take the necessary actions to get to that point. Sometimes just getting to that space of wealth and abundance starts with what you think and what you think you're worthy of. Uh, We talked about this on the last time you and I spoke, thoughts become things. You know, the famous book, uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, it's it's been one of my pillars uh, of success. And it's always something that I always go back to. Uh, So reading is fundamental. They, they always say reading is fundamental. If you want to hide something from certain people, you hide in the book. That's the number one thing you do is you read because now everything's out there. You can YouTube and, and become a rocket scientist. But reading is fundamental. That's the number one key, the number one pillar uh, to working on yourself. And you'll build that self-discipline because if you stick with something long enough, like they say, if you do something for 28 days, you'll create that muscle memory and it'll become a habit. So I just think you have to start reading. That's the number one thing. And I also want to ask you about just Mm -hmm. your general idea of abundance, because for a long time, Mm. I know what I was taught, we only thought about wealth and abundance in terms of money. But now that I've done a lot of work on myself and personal development, I think of it in a much more broader term. So tell me in your own words, what you think Mm-hmm. abundance mean? What does it mean to be prosperous and wealthy? Is it just money or is it something else? I think success is is definitely subjective. Success is what you determine it to be. So if you want to be a, a deodorant tester, you can be the number one deodorant tester if you, if you sniff enough armpits, you know, but I definitely think abundance is something that you, <laughs> you have to go further and dig deeper within yourself uh, to ask what that is. For you, but what it is for me is peace. It is uh, being being at a place of love and understanding, to where you can see the God in everyone that you encounter, and you plant good seeds everywhere that you go, and you you make others better. That's what I think leadership is all about. Leaders create leaders. If you can make enough other people happy, you'll find happiness. So I understand now that it's not about money. Because when I start doing the work, the internal work, I never had to worry about money again. I don't worry about money anymore. Now I understand how to plan short term and long term. 
uh, and it helps that my wife's a banker. So she, she's very, very good with money and uh, credit and all that good stuff. So I definitely think abundance is way bigger than money, but it is something that you have to seek within yourself to determine what is it that makes me tick? What is, what is it that I'm passionate about? And how do I help inspire that and unlock that in other people? Like your your show is all about, The Shift Zone. How do I help others make that shift? That's what it's about. It's all about the thought and making a shift in your mindset. And like I say, actions, because life takes action to be able to get to that zone of success, which is very subjective mm-hmm. because truly you could have a person living on an island by themselves feeling like they are living the abundant mm-hmm. life because they're living a life that they created and they are acting consistent with what they mm-hmm. want. So, you know, I agree. That's what I just want everybody to know that sh- shifting into abundance and wealth is m- way more than just Absolutely. money. Money is, is not the, the end all. On Absolutely. That. Okay. So Eddie, let's talk about something else that I read in the book and, and you talked about, when you were 19 years old, how you ended up taking a summer trip and that summer trip ended up being the move completely. So let's talk about how shifting your surroundings helped you to step into your zone of success. Absolutely. Well, growing up in Mississippi and Greenwood, Mississippi, it's it's a lot tougher than people think. It's, it's tough. tough. It's tough. And you hear that little fairy tale, country mouse, city mouse. It was something like that. But I, I know the country mouse always outsmarted the city mouse. And I said all that to say, down south, there's a lot of challenges growing up. There's a lot of challenges I faced just from from joining the gang. I joined the gang at the age of 14. It it was rite of passage. You know, everybody belonged to something. You had all these different cliques and and different things like that. So there's a lot of different things that could pull you in from violence to to drugs. uh, You name it. So... Growing up in that environment, I always knew that I wanted to leave at some point, but I wanted to make sure my family was straight. So that was a lot of the reason why I stayed for as long as I did. But I knew at 19, I had to you know, change my environment. So I took a trip to North Carolina for the summer, which I had spent summers in you know, during the summer growing up, learn how to ride horses, learn how to swim. This was my escape you know, from, from that environment when I was you know, 10, 11, 12, all the way up through high school. But I moved to North Carolina when I was 19 because it was a whole lot going on back home and the the air was different. The environment was different. And I loved it. I loved the the, the atmosphere. And I transferred to UNC Charlotte. I was going to Mississippi Valley State uh, at the time, but I transferred to UNC Charlotte and went home. I rode the Greyhound bus back to Greenwood and got my little Ragley car, my little Chevy Corsica, drove it back up to North Carolina and the rest was history. And don't you find that sometimes when you can get in a different surrounding, it just feels like you have more energy and you have just more drive to do the things that you want to do? Absolutely. Because, you know, I mean, positive begets positive, negative begets negative. I was around a lot of negative people. I have some lifelong friends that I still you know, hold dear to this day that, that grew up with me. And, and really, that's my core of people who I grew up with in Mississippi some of my close friends, but there was a lot of other negative influences that I had to get away from. So being in a positive environment where people were taking trips, investing, a lot of culture, going to music festivals and art shows and 
different things that I didn't get a chance to experience uh, growing up with, with a lack of resources down south. So um, definitely changed my environment. You know, when it comes to making the shift in your environment, a lot of people are held back because they're afraid to actually change their environment. They're used to what they call the norm and anything outside of that creates a sense of fear. But you almost have to expose yourself to things that are unknown and also places because sometimes just that shift in your surroundings and the people that you associate with as well as where you are can just create a sense of openness in you so that you're able to move closer to those things that you want to do. And sometimes it gives you space to actually think about what you want to do when you're not consumed with everything else. I agree. I agree. So, Eddie, I have another question. What caused you to ultimately become a life coach? What caused me to ultimately become a life coach? I've always been a fixer. I've always been that friend that will listen to your relationship problem or listen to your concern or your your work issue and try and diagnose that issue and help. So I've always been a person that gives. I've been involved with nonprofit organizations since, man, since I was 15, 16 years old. Actually, that's how I I paid for college. I was on a scholarship called the Plan for Social Excellence, which in poverty-stricken environments, they will offer scholarships for up to five years to anywhere in the United States. And all you had to do was mentor someone younger than you. And we mentored uh, kids at a local school within our district, uh, W.C. Williams. So we would take a bus um, a bus full of high school juniors and seniors, and we would ride to the W.C. Williams Elementary and mentor these little kids. And we did that our junior year and senior year in high school, which is one of the requirements in addition to GPA. But that's what really started me on the on the path of, of community service. That stuck with me. I'm on several different boards right now. The one I'm most proud about is of the Carolinas because my daughter actually has sickle cell, and my wife and I both are on the board for sickle cell. So. Serving a community, that's something that I've always been passionate about, serving people. So life coaching was really like a placeholder for me because I do work as a professional IT consultant, but life coaching is something that I've done for years. And I I took a chance at doing it full time uh, back in 2014. But again, I was still working full time. You got a family, a mortgage, so many other obligations. I never had a chance to fully dedicate myself to it. But it's always something that I continue to work on, continue to hone my skills and do research on and get certifications. And now I'm at a to where I have more comfort and stability with, with the family life, a little more work-life balance so I can dedicate more time to it. Right. So I just started a new company called Fresh Start Coaching where I'll start taking on new clients. But the, the, the motive has always been to help people and to really just leave the world better than I found it. You know, there's just a stigma around having a coach and and having a therapist and people to help you move. But sometimes you just can't do it on your own. You and I ask that question because we're talking about shifting your surroundings and shifting your surroundings may include having someone on your team to help you achieve those goals. Absolutely. And- so how important do you think it is for people to engage with a life coach if they're having problems, if they're stuck, if they can't move forward. And I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because I do want to distinguish that there is a difference between therapy and counseling, because in most cases it does involve medical diagnosis and, you know, you deal with mental illness and I keep a a team. Uh, I have a, a, a big black book, not a little black book 
of counselors and therapists uh, that I refer clients to if I deem that there is mental illness or, or some major red flags. But I think it's very important to get an unbiased opinion because all of us, no, nobody has it all figured out, right? But everybody wants to, to, to act like they have it all together, have it all figured out. But sometimes you just need someone to listen to you and help you pull out exactly what that block is, what that barrier is that's, that's holding you up. And what better person to do it than someone who's trained and skilled and certified in listening? I practice what's called the 80-20 rule, where I listen to my clients 80% and I give 20% input uh, to the coaching session. And I really try and get that person to unlock and, and, and go and do the inner work within themselves to pull out that block. So a lot of times, really, the person that's doing the work, mostly just listening to them and helping them redirect and focus and pinpoint what we want our goals to be, what type of analysis we're going to do on those goals and what type of things that we think are effective. So I use things like personality assessments, one on one coaching, a number of different things to help my clients really, really move to the next level or remove whatever barrier it is that's blocking them. And whether it's in your relationship, because there's no such thing as a perfect relationship. There's no such thing as perfection. Really, the only thing that's per- that's perfect is, it's is, not. is death, right? The only thing that's perfect is death, because that's the only thing that's forever. <laughs> it's unchanging, right? Everything else has to change, because you can't keep listening to your friends. You can't keep listening to that negative co-worker or that negative family member just because they always have the good tea and the good gossip. you got to talk to a professional and sit down with somebody to say, hey, I'm really going to make this change. I'm really going to shift. I'm ready to step into the shift zone, but only you can determine it. Right. And you know, but I want the listeners to know that Mm -hmm. stepping into that zone of success is something that's ongoing because once they get to a certain level and they've Mm -hmm. done the work and something happens Mm -hmm. and they get frustrated because they need to do more work in order to get to the next step. So How important is it to understand that life is ever evolving and that stepping into your purpose and being successful is a lifelong journey? Absolutely, because it it goes again, it goes back to the core of personal development. It's lifelong learning. You never stop working on yourself because there are some people that think once I get the job, once I hit the six figure salary, Once I get the house, once I get the dog and the convertible and the SUV and the kids or whatever it is, you feel like, okay, this is my point. This is when I reach that success. You don't measure success in things. You don't measure success by possessions or even or or really even accomplishments. I really think success is a mind thing. It's, It's really just doing the inner work, understanding what is it that makes me tick? What am I passionate about? What are my boundaries? Have I ever just looked inside myself and said, what are the things that I'm not going to tolerate? Whether it's in a relationship setting, whether it's in a work or business setting, setting boundaries and then setting goals. These are all things that you have to do with yourself and and really understanding how you how you approach your relationship with God. Right. Whether you're spiritual, whether you're religious Whatever the case may be, you have to understand that you have to keep God first. That's the number one and most important thing is is just keeping God first. So once you determine what your goals are, you do the work, the deep emotional intelligence work within yourself and you continue that journey 
of self-discovery to where you never accept stagnation. You're always constantly moving forward and advancing and growing. So there's never a, a, a place that you reach as far as things, material possessions, accolades and achievements, accomplishments. None of that stuff matters once you really hit that zone because you know that it's within you. And what I've learned and what I understand now about success and about growth is that success equals being uncomfortable. And being uncomfortable is equated to growth, right? Because if you're comfortable, you're stagnating. You're going with the flow. You're going with the status quo. You're doing the same thing. You're making ends meet. However, when you're uncomfortable, you're forced to step in a new position into a new unknown territory and learn new skills or use skills that you have, apply knowledge that you have and work your way through it, work your way out of it. So I definitely think that it's a lifelong journey and you have to continue working on yourself and just understand that the shift zone is not a one place. It's not a destination. It's a cycle. When you say comfort, I was thinking about that just last week and I was thinking about how important it is to get out of your comfort zone and the fact that the discomfort makes Mm. people stay there. But I really think people are Mm. uncomfortable even when they're in their comfort zone. Because when you're in your comfort zone, you're not doing really the things that you want to do, whether it's fear holding you back, doubt, lack of confidence. When you stay in your comfort zone, you're going to be uncomfortable because you're not achieving the things that you want. So I just feel like if I'm going to be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. I would rather be uncomfortable doing those things That's right. and stepping out on faith and not being afraid and having the courage to do what I want to do. Because That's either right. way it goes, you're going to be uncomfortable anyway. It's just that one will get you closer to where you're trying to be. Yeah. And I look at it the same way. I, and there's two versions of it. Right. And one is discomfort. One, it makes you, your environment feels bad. You feel bad. You got no money. Your thoughts are are, are flowing, you know, to the to the negative side, and, and that's that discomfort, right? But that other uncomfortable is what we talked about. It's the I need to do more. I need to work harder. I need to push myself. I need to grind. That grit that it takes to push through and reach that next level of whatever it is that you're trying to achieve, whether it's personal success. Um, or whether it's just a small or long-term goal. But I, I do think it's two versions. Because you definitely. definitely don't want to be that person. And I think this is a, a quote that many have said, that when you're on your deathbed, you're at the end of your days, and all of your ghosts are standing around you saying that you didn't bring these things to life, and now they're going to have to die with you. Wayne mm-hmm. Dyer says, don't die with your music in you. And I just think that if you don't step out of that mm. comfort zone, and if you don't step out on faith, when you get to the end of your life, you, you'll think mm-hmm. about all the things that you wanted to do that you didn't do. And it's just important to get into that place where you can achieve some of these things. Because we only have one life to live. We only have one. And, and once that's over, we're gone. Absolutely. And, and we're gone. And to add to that, exactly what you're saying. Les Brown says something similar. He says, you know where the most goals are? the most vision, the most ideas, the most hope It's in the graveyard, right? Because all these people left, it's the richest place you can ever think of or imagine because so many people leave with their song still playing, with with that thing still in them and never really tapping into who they really are 
and, and how to live that life of abundance to where you leave something behind. You leave that legacy. You plant those good seeds that are going to turn into oak trees when you're long, long gone. That's important. Like my Angelou says, your legacy is what you leave behind. And mm. you, you don't is. stop leaving things behind until you die. And so that's further evidence mm-hmm. that being successful and achieving goals and being the best version of you is an ongoing process. Okay, Eddie, so I, we're getting to the end, end of the interview, but I have something that I want to ask you, just questions that I ask all of my guests. And the first thing I want to I want to ask you, okay. if you could say that there was one thing, and I know there may be many, one thing that gave you the biggest push into mm-hmm. success, what would that be? Wow. The one thing that gave me the biggest push into success, that would have to be my daughter. I being knew you born. Were <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, you, you know, it's going to be it's going to be related to my wife or my daughter. But it's just when we when she came home, she came home on my 30th birthday. Right. So my wife and daughter and myself, we, we, we're so close in birthdays. Right. My daughter's birthday is July 6th. My birthday is July 8th. My wife is July 10th. So you already know we party all we party from the fourth to the I don't know when we stop. But when that baby came home, it, it was on my birthday when we made it home from the hospital because we had to spend a night um, because I think they put her on the lights or something like that. UV lights or something like that. But she came home on my birthday. And I just remember just getting this little bitty baby home. And the first time she started crying or the first time I think she went to the bathroom, I looked at my wife like, what are we going to do? It's crying. You know, it's just use the bathroom. I said, it, because, you know, we didn't know what, what was going on, right? New parents. You've, you've had other people's children. You've babysat, all these different things going through my head. But this was my child. This was our child. This was our creation that God blessed us with. And there was a major shift that happened. I think I started working like three jobs just to just to make sure, just to be extra prepared. Because when you have children, they do create a, another sense of responsibility. And oh, it yeah. really it really puts you in focus yeah. and makes you know that there's something greater than yourself. I know that life often throws us out of focus and sometimes that's a barrier to being successful. What is one tip that you could give to someone who's looking to refocus, who may be stuck and they they just can't get it together. What is something that they can do to refocus? One thing that I tell my coaching clients, one thing that I tell people to refocus is change the way you wake up. How you wake up is very important. They call it the the first hour you wake up in the morning. They call it the golden hour because it's it's the time when your mind's working the hardest, your brain's working the fastest, and you're trying to remember what you what you dreamed about or what you're going to eat for, for breakfast and what you're going to put on. Is it cold outside? What bills I got to pay? All these things are running through your mind. So it's the perfect time for you to plant a good seed and set your day off on a positive note. So you start with some positive affirmation, saying something positive in the affirmative. I am successful. I am going to have a great day. But more importantly, you read something or you write something. And that creates that that creative flow, that creative energy that's going to lead you to more success throughout your day. So I like to either meditate, read. It's just very important to do something fruitful, something positive, something you're going to bear fruit from during that first hour that you wake up, as opposed to just turn on the TV or jump on social media. So that's very, very important. Change what you do. 
during that first hour that you wake up because it sets the tone for the rest of your day. Another practical tip that I give people, make your bed when you get out of the bed. So once you wake up, you make your bed because I, I always tell my coaching clients it's, it's very important to celebrate small victories. Your first victory is that you woke up. God woke you up this morning. Your, your number was called. That's an accomplishment. You completed something, right? So you're on a roll. There's nowhere but up from there. So change the way you wake up. Now, the last question is more geared towards you. What is one word that you use to describe yourself and why? One word. Leader. And explain to us a little bit why you chose leader. Because leaders create leaders. Leaders oftentimes fall on the sword. They do the thing that's hard. They take the road that's unpaid. They, they chart a path that wasn't laid out for them. And people have to trust them and say, hey, he's, he's in the front, so I'm going to follow him. He knows the way. Obviously, he knows the way. But they don't know. I don't know the way. <laughs> we're all, we're <laughs> figuring it all out together. I'm just making good decisions. I'm making good, small steps, celebrating small victories, doing things that make sense, being productive along the way, because it's a long journey. Best thing that I can do is be a leader and chart out the best path, the the one that makes the most sense. And I'm willing to fall on the sword, even when others won't do it, even when others will will hold their breath and, and, and not say what needs to be said or do what needs to be done. Somebody has to do it. So for my generation, for my family, I'm a leader and in the history of time as that. Uh, it's really been a pleasure. I'm so happy that you Thank decided you. to step into the zone with me today. This Thank has been you. great. Tell everyone how they can contact you mm-hmm. and how they can get information about your coaching programs mm-hmm. or any events or anything that you have coming up. Yeah, the easiest way is, is to follow me on Facebook or Instagram at The Millennial Influencer. I will talk about the uh, podcast that my wife and I started called Champagne Lovers, where we do a champagne review, but we get into relationships and we get into life and we give business tips, life tips, and just have good dialogue between a husband and wife. So shout out to my wife, Shapara. Uh, champagne Lovers is one that I definitely want you to follow. Um, so you can go to Spotify and just for Champagne Lovers. It's L-U-V-A-Z. That's how you spell lovers. Um, you can also reach us via email on cloverspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, but again, the easiest way to reach me is through social media at The Millennial Influencer and Fresh Start Coaching. If you have questions about uh, life coaching, you want to start up and figure out what it's all about, just need a consultation to understand where you want to take things in your life, you can email me at freshstartcoachingllc at gmail.com. I'm quite sure this is your first time, but it will not be your last time. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I really enjoyed you. I enjoyed you and I'm so proud of you. And I'll see you at the top. (laughs) 